indie fashion creators. I'm your host, Ashante, independent designer of Christian Omishan. This podcast was created for the indie designers finding their way to success in a very competitive industry. My goal is to be able to provide resources to aspiring and thriving designers who seek guidance and advice to help run a successful independent brand. I hope that within this podcast, you can find the tools you need to keep you inspired on your fashion journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Indie Fashion Creators. I am your host, Ashante, and I have Jasmine Renee of Jasmine Renee Studios in the building. What's up, Jasmine? (laughs) Hi, everybody. What's going on? So Jasmine is based out of Cleveland, Ohio. She is an independent designer as well. I've been wanting to interview her for a minute and I finally was able to get a hold of her. You know, we are busy as indie designers. Um, Jasmine, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Um, so I graduated, I went to, um, Kent State University for fashion design. Um, I've been sewing for over 12 years now. Um, I recently opened up my fashion studio and beauty bar, um, last October. So it'll be a, well, it has been a year. So I'm celebrating my one year anniversary in business in my new shop. I'm so excited. That's what's Um, up. Yes. And, um, Pretty much, I'm like a laid back person, um, super chill. <laughs> um, I kind of try to let my design speak for themselves. I like to do elegant, classy um, dresses, and then I, I design um, custom bridal wear, prom, birthday, pretty much any occasion. I also do um, have a couple male designers that um, they're boxers, so I do their outfits for their um, fights. Okay. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. So when did you first recognize that fashion was your calling? Um, since a kid, because I was always the weird, like artistic kid that liked to draw and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I used to like to cut my clothes up and wear jeans and write on them and, you know, just do different stuff, change the pockets on stuff, make purses out of, um, house shoes, just random stuff I would do. And, you know, at first my mom was like, why are you messing up all these clothes I'm buying you? But, you know, she kind of figured out like, okay, she's artistic. Let me just let her do her thing. And then I um, went to Shaker Heights High School and they had a fashion design class and I ended up taking it. And I was like, I'm really kind of good at this. I was like ahead of the class. I'm like, let me go ahead and go to school for this and, you know, get better at it. What keeps you inspired? Like, how do you stay up to date, like regarding fashion in the time that we're in now? So um, a lot of times fast fashion can get you off track. So I try not to like focus on what everybody else is doing and kind of do my own thing. But at the same time, you still have to check stuff out so you can be relevant in the times that we are in. But um, I pretty much get inspiration from places I've either been or things I've seen and try to go off based off that. Okay. So, you know, fashion design is such a, a very, very tedious craft. And I think that sometimes people really underestimate what it is that we do and what it takes to do it. Uh, what kind of work ethic do you believe is required to be a designer? (laughs) 
you really got to be self-motivated. You like if you're yes. lazy, you you're not going to make it at all. You have out the gate. You have to be motivated. You have to have perseverance because it's going to be times where you're going to doubt yourself. You're going to feel like, you know, I'm not good at this. And, you know, woe is me. You're going to have those moments. But if you don't get off that, you know, basically downing yourself and, and, and shake that off you will fail. Like you have to keep going in spite of anything, in spite of if if somebody doesn't like their dress or, you know, if they don't like their item, you kind of got to brush that off and keep going because the next client is going to need you to be where you need to be. So their item can prosper. And so they can, you know, look good in their item. You can't be sitting here, you know, on the back burner, like, Oh my God. And, and, and loathing, like you have to get up and go at all times. You got to have that get up and go attitude. Right. At all times. I, I do agree. I always tell people, you know, one thing that you have to understand is that your fashion is not for everybody. And so exactly. you're going to have those clients that come in and they may not like, you don't, you won't always get it right for every single client. You know, you, we exactly. aspire to do that. We want to do that. We try to push yeah. ourselves to do that, but you just got to know that, Honey, you were just not for everybody. And I know sometimes, especially like doing prom season, which we're going to talk oh, yeah. a little bit about that. <laughs> but like, you know, just doing prom season and things of that nature, people really don't understand that some people you just won't be able to please and you have satisfy, to be OK yeah. with that. You know what I mean? Or you, you can't right. satisfy them. It just is what it is. But as long as you did your best, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I feel like that's why there's so much diversity in fashion. Like you have your Forever 21s and your H&M's and your, you know, Fashion Nova's, like, those brands are similar, but they cater to a different audience at the same time. Like, people that shop in one place, or if you shop at Macy's, you might not shop at Target. Like, you know, there's a brand for everybody. So you have to kind of also not take that personal when somebody doesn't like your your stuff. It's like, okay, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> you yep, exactly. I agree. So what was your journey like prior to opening your studio? It was a bumpy, rocky road. So um, I had a studio before, but it was in Shaker Heights. It was years ago. I, I was working at the post office, which was not for me. I ended up um, letting that go. But meanwhile, while I was still working there, I had a, like an office space, 200 square feet. And I was kind of doing the same thing I'm doing now, which was starting off doing custom things and alterations for clients. But it was like I had like barely any clientele at that time. And but I was like, you know what, this is my dream. So I'm going to keep pursuing it after I get off work, I would literally go to my studio and like sew or work on client stuff. And that's when I actually started doing prom dresses was out my studio, my first studio. And then I moved into my, um, my second one, which is now, but you know, I've always wanted to just start, you have to start somewhere, even if you don't have a studio or a space or you can rent. Like I started in the house, in the mm-hmm. dining room, in the living room, you know, just in my room where I had no room and I was sewing because this is this is what I need to do. This is my life's work and That's this right. is what I'm here for. I'm going to do it anywhere. Mm. Regardless if I have a space or not, I will make a space for it. I'm really glad that you said that because I think that a lot of designers don't understand that, you know, it's not about what you don't have. It's about 
starting where you are. And I feel like exactly. I preach that to anybody that I mentor. You have to start where you are. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, I know people that's cutting on floors. You just yeah, gotta do it. I still cut on floors. Right. I, I you... cut like the floor is the biggest space. Your stuff's gonna be cut on the floor. No matter if you have a thousand dollar gown or three hundred like it's gonna be cut on the floor. The floors are clean every day. So you know, but yes, you have to start small before you get big and you have to be humble and have humble beginnings and that's where it starts. So tell me just a little bit about that journey though um, as far as and when I say that let me just try to be a little bit more specific you know so you started in your room and you did have your first initial studio and then you end up getting your second what yes. is that place like in between you know the the basically the jump or the leap that it takes to get to the place of the studio beauty bar that you have now talk a little bit about that area for me just you know financially what you may have had to do, um, physically, what you may have had to do, uh, planning wise to get to that step and what it felt like. So I'll give you the initial feeling was petrified. (laughs) Okay. You're going to be scared, but you have to take a leap of faith because that's all it was, was faith was like, you know, I have to, you know, make sure my credit's together so I can even apply for the place. And am I going to get it? And then they're going to, are they going to accept me? And what am I going to do when I get in there? Like there, and there's not just moving into the place. You have to get the signage and like the paperwork and the permits. It's a lot that goes into it. But before then, the initial, before the leap happened, I stacked my money. I saved my money. So I was still working from home out of my apartment, out of my dining room, saving every coin that I had from clients so that I could have that money to be the back, you know, to be the push for that leap of faith, because you can't just leap. You can leap without money, but it, it, it's a little bit better when you have a little bit of money yep. to take a leap. And, you know, I have to make sure the first and last month's rent is paid and make sure I get the lights on. It's basically kind of like having another home or another place to stay, but it's for your business It's housing your business because you have to have lights and gas and, you know, all that stuff that you would have necessities for your house. You have to have for your business in order to, you know, maintain it. Right. Right. I do um, think that that is very important. I always tell people, you know, planning is really important when you are about to get into a studio space. And then when you have it, if you don't have a plan, what they say, if you don't plan, you fail. And that's just what it is. And in that meantime, too, I was looking like I had been looking for a place since I moved out of my other place. And the reason why I moved out of my first place was because, you know, the landlords kind of they didn't really tell the um, the tenants that they were tearing the building down. And I kind of found out later on. And I was like, dang, you know, I could have been looking instead of trying to find something last minute. So I ended up having to wait a couple more years until I found my space but it was you know it's all in God's timing because it worked out for it's a journey like you have to not only make the plan write it down draw it out like I literally was drawing every day how I wanted my studio set up where I wanted the cash register how I wanted the mannequins to look like every little detail you have to map out because you never know how things are going to go and things change along the way but as long as you have that plan set you'll be good to go 
That's right. That's right. I like how you said, you know, just mapping out anything. I think that speaks to just um, the law of attraction and just kind of being positive about where you're going and just attracting that energy into your space. Because I do think like the work that we do is very tedious. It can be very daunting sometimes. And so you really have to speak life over your vision, over your business, over your everything, everything, everything. Because it's so easy to slip into the negative space and slip into the woe is me and slip into, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not like a, you know, big, I wanted to be at this place in this point in time of my life. Like you cannot base yourself off of what you see social media designers doing or other people doing. You cannot make that a measure and stick towards your success. That's right. I agree. So once you got into your space, just to talk about that a little bit, what are some of the things that you've been, that you've done to survive? Because, you know, I think in fashion, we have our high periods and then we have our low periods. What, right. what has been some of those, I guess, trials and tribulations for you? Um, so like I said, along with you know, the saving and the stacking money. So with me, I feel like I have to have a certain number in my bank account so that I don't go into panic mode. So for my business, I always keep a reserve so that even if I'm falling slow or on like difficult times, I have a reserve to go to so that I can pull from and say, you know, okay, this is extra for the rent money or this is extra for the lights or extra for whatever supplies I need so that I don't have to like have a you know, too much of a tough, tough time, but I'm still having enough to, to get over that hump. Mm-hmm. So I will always say have a reserve and then also offer other services. So, you know, um, I do alterations also. And then I, I had a beauty bar back there. So I also, I, while I was doing during the leap phase, I was in cosmetology school because I'm like, I need something else to do. Cause if I sit still too long, like I literally get like, frantic like I have to do something I have to be doing something productive so I went to um, beauty school because I wanted to be able to offer my clients the whole package the hair the makeup the fashion so I'm like okay let me go ahead and get this cosmetology license go to school and I'm going to open my own salon even with opening the beauty bar part I've had other stylists or you know beauticians that were older than me so you can't do that you have to do this you won't be able to do that I'm like okay you just watch like I hate when people try to tell you what you can't do you can do whatever you want to do like just go do it so I'm like okay you go ahead and watch and I'm gonna when I come out of school I'm gonna have my own fashion studio and beauty bar salon and do my own thing like I don't need to be in somebody else's shop I can have my own so that was my mentality on on all that Right. So I know um, prom, just to just to talk about prom a little bit, I know that prom (laughs) is like one of probably one of your most profitable times in your studio. Right. Yes. Prom is a big cash cow. (laughs) Right. It is. Right. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's so good. But it comes with a lot of work. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, a lot of designers like they come out, you know, we all have these goals like I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and I'm going to have my own showroom and things like that. And so we kind of negate, you know, uh, cash cash making seasons like prom where people are looking for custom gowns and things of that nature and I know people who have made like who make enough money to pay up their shop their bills and everything for the year pretty much and so yeah yeah, they're doing whatever they want to do throughout the remainder of the year because they take that one little portion of time where it's dress season and get these gowns out so 
right. you know, talk to me about prom and how you, you really tapped into it to make it, you know, a profitable season for you. Um, when I first started doing prom, it was like 2010. I did like two dresses. That was my first ever like doing custom gowns for clientele. I started at like $300 and that was just because I didn't know what I was doing. I knew how to make clothes, but I never made clothes for actual clients. So that's when I started. And then once I got, you know, more advanced at it, started taking more customers and I started upcharging. But prom, like I said, is very bittersweet. The money is very good. It's very profitable season. But sometimes dealing with the people can be daunting because a lot of times the high school girls, they really don't know what they want. And my biggest pet peeve is like undecisiveness. I cannot stand it. So I'm like, you know, you're trying to get them to come to a conclusion about what they want. They want to change their mind. They want to change the dress. It's like, okay, no, this is what we decided on. This is what you have. This is what we have to work with. So a lot of times it's hard to communicate with them because they don't really know how to communicate yet because they're still growing as young adults. So that can be a little daunting, but like prom season, I do love it because it's like I said, I like to be productive. So it's a, a constant production, like nonstop. You're up for umpteenth amount of hours getting the work done. And then when it's over, you know, you can breathe. But it's very it's a very, very super, super high strung, stressful season. It sure is. Um, and, um, you know. Last prom season, I did, uh, I try to do 50 a year. I'm trying to do double that maybe this year if I have extra help. But I had an employee and I had an intern. So I'm also going to try to do an employee and an intern for next season, too. But it's already started. Like, I've already taken some clients now for prom. That's right. So, yeah. So that that's yeah. what I do think is important when we do talk about prom season. Um, you know, I do think that it's a good if, if you are into specialty and, you know, now I think you have to be somewhat, somewhat passionate about specialty to be able to really conquer prom season. Cause I feel like if yes. you just get into it for the money, the quality it's of work won't work. be there. You know what no, I mean? Not at all. Exactly. And a lot of times you have to like every year it gets harder. Every year it gets harder because these girls want red carpet. They want Emmy gowns. They want to look like, you know, the Beyonce's and the Kim K's and the Cardi B's. Like they want this upscale lifestyle for one night. And the, the you have to be really skilled at making dresses. You have to have the fit right. You have to have the look right because they will try to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> like they, don't, <laughs> they don't hold back. And a lot of times, like I try to express that. You have to have open communication with me. You're work. You're, I'm working for you. You're paying me, you know, all this money to make your dress. So you have to express to me exactly what you want. And last prom season, I had kind of like a trouble, you know, client who she wasn't communicating with me what she wanted. And she ended up trying to, you know, take me to small claims court. And I expressed in court, you know, this is her contract. Everything says non-refundable. I have, um signs around the shop they say non-refundable so you know she knows that she could read everything I gave to her everything was outlined I don't try to deceive anybody in any way but you have to communicate if you get to your fitting your first fitting which is a mock fitting and you see the fabric and you you know you agree you like it it's already been ordered then I go ahead and make the gown once I make the dress, you tell me you love it in the fitting and then you go home and you tell your mom something else. That's two different people that we are talking about. You know, yep. so it's like if you don't communicate to me, if you told me you like the dress and you go home and tell your mom you hate it or you're not going to prom or whatever. 
I don't know who that is because that's a totally different person to me than was in, the, you know, in the actual fitting. So mm-hmm. it's like if you don't communicate and actually be honest about what it what it is, because you can't be like, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to hurt her feelings like my feelings have nothing to do with your garment. You're paying for this. So you have to tell me if you like it or not. And if you don't tell me anything, I'm going to go ahead and finish the dress that I think that you like, you know? Right. I do think it's important that you protect yourself during, during prom. Um, That's most important because again, people get the, the next part to it is that a lot of people get caught up in, you know, taking all these dresses and then you don't have yourself protected. There's no contracts yes. in line. You don't have anything signed on a dotted line. Yes. And so when you don't hold up your end of the bargain or you end up, right. you know, getting a trouble client or whatever, we're not protected. You're, right. And I am huge, like super huge on contracts. I've had contracts for years I've adapted them to whatever scenario you know has a change up throughout the years just because people will try every little thing to just try to find loopholes in it so I've made sure it was airtight and I'm like you know sign this sign this uh initial here everything you know read over it because people don't read I've even read the contracts to people and they still are like I don't remember you know that it's in your contract I don't remember that read your contract I sent you a copy you know it's like you know it's like but they you know skim through it they're like oh I just want to dress like no you have to remember if you're late it's it's $25 if you don't pay on time it's $100 like you know there's things like everything is has a time limit because we have to pay rent we have to pay bills we got to pay lights and gas it's not a game this is a business so you made this business deal you got to hold up your end as I hold up mine. <laughs> yep. I agree. I agree. So you guys, I actually ordered, um, one of Jasmine's contracts from her and it was amazing. I, it was spot on. And mind you, I have my own contracts, but I was actually looking at the contract and I was like, Oh girl, I'm about to just take some bits and pieces from mine and put it into the one that she sent me. It was so good. So I'm going to make sure I link her information down below. Um, you know, I, I, I know she's selling them y'all. If y'all don't have them, I would advise you all to get them um, yes. because you need to cover <laughs> your ass. And that's what we, yes. we're doing this season, covering our ass yes. and clocking the coins. OK, so yes. because people will try to come for you and you have to make sure you're covered on all ends, like literally legal le- legalities is, is real life. Like you have to cover yourself. That's right. At all. I never I never in a million years would have thought like I've been threatened by people like, oh, I'm going to sue you, sue you, sue you. They throw the words out there, but they never actually take the action. And this year somebody took the action. And I was so upset by the fact that, you know, not only was she coming for me in my business that I worked so hard for, but I'm like, you could have talked to me. We could have had this conversation. So when it got past that conversation point, I said, okay, let me make sure I got my paperwork and I had everything lined up and everything ready. And I won that case. So it's like your contract is your backbone to your business. That's going to set you up for either failure or success. That's right. So designers, just make sure you are protecting yourself because it's so important. Um, What would be the best piece of advice you could offer an aspiring designer? Um, Don't listen to negative people. If you have negative people in your space, um, separate yourself because you are going to need as much positive light and positive vibes as possible because you're already going to be really self-critical. So if you have a Debbie Downer in your corner, that's not going to be 
the ingredient for success for you. So always be near positive and like-minded people. Be motivated. Have a strong self-motivation. When you don't feel like it, that's when you need to do it. Then it'll be done. You don't have to be like, oh, I don't feel like. No, get it done and it's done. You ain't got to think about it no more. Self-motivation, perseverance. So if anything come against you, say, you know, whatever, a client doesn't like this or this happens, you have a malfunction or whatever, persevere. You can get over that. You have to keep going for the next client, the next opportunity, the next venue, the next thing you have to do. You got to keep pushing. So that's that's pretty much my advice. (laughs) That's right. I agree. I agree. What has kept you motivated over the last few years? Okay, so a couple things. Uh, one, the fact that I don't like um, authority over me, so I could never really have a job because I don't like when people have that much control to tell me when I can go to lunch, when I can go use the restroom, when I can clock out. Like, I really don't like that whole, you know, people having a power trip over you or managers managing your every single thing. So I've always had an entrepreneurial like spirit about me where I I don't like authority. So I'm like, I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to do this on my own, do my own thing and govern other people because everybody's not meant to be a boss and everybody, you know, you have to have your workers and you have to have your bosses. So I just felt like I was always a boss in my own mind. So I had to take that role. Talk to me a little bit about what it means to be confident as a designer and trusting yourself when there is so much competition and so many people becoming designers or I mean people who aren't designers but they're you know tapping into the craft because they have the capital or whatever like how do you stay we talked about how you stay true to yourself as a designer but how do you keep yourself grounded Um, so I keep myself grounded. Of course I go to, you know, I go to church every Sunday. I pray. I I always keep God first. That's what keeps me grounded. I always, um, kind of check myself if I feel like I'm getting too on a high horse. Cause I feel like I haven't made it yet. So I'm still a work in progress. My business is a work in progress. This is year one. So we're just tapping into the, you know, the nitty gritty of the industry. Um, but my thing is I don't try to compare myself or what I'm doing to other people. Of course, I look to other designers and, you know, big name designers for inspiration, but I never try to say, okay, they made this dress. I need to make this dress or I got to look like them or, you know, like comparison is would be your biggest downfall because you have to find yourself as your as a designer, you have to find your niche and your market and your customer and, and go based off that. People look for me because they like my designs or they like, you know, who I am as a person. They gravitate towards my work ethic. So I have to, you know, remember who I am and who I am as a designer and never fall into the pit of I need to be like somebody else because I'm not them. I'm Jasmine Renee. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, Jasmine, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking this time to speak to me um, or to no speak problem. to us. It was such a pleasure. Um, and it was good just to kind of, I guess, finally connect outside of social media. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out just to, just for that transparency, too, because I believe that a lot of designers, we really we need more people who are just transparent with their journey and 
and yeah. was what they're right. going through. You know what I mean? Because it's not all it's not all roses. Uh, I think that fashion um, and entertainment it's all a lot of smoke and mirrors. And so just yeah, you know, opening this space so that people can really come and hear your truth is so amazing. Um, we really, 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 really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, too. So, you guys, um, that's going to be we're going to end it here with Jasmine. Um, As you guys know, I will be linking all of her information. Um, Tell us real quickly, Jasmine, tell us where they can find you on social media. So on Instagram, you can find me at jasminerenee.studio. On Facebook, Facebook, it's the same, jasminerenee.studio. And my website is jasminerenee.com. Okay. Um, All right, you guys. Until next time, stay humble, stay hungry, and stay blessed. Peace. Bye.